big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big one. Welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we're talking about Aware Parenting and The Crown. Now, if you don't know, The Crown is a Netflix series and the fourth, um, fourth season. series season season has just been released. Uh, we both watched it this week and we both spontaneously, when we were chatting on Voxer, which is kind of like Messenger or WhatsApp, the audio thing, we both spontaneously said... Why don't, we do it? Why don't we do a podcast on it? We've both been very excited about that idea. But we would like to put in a few... Gosh, I'm not with the words today. Are you with the words pre... A few disclaimers. Disclaimers, we could call it. Word. Disclaimers. Mm. So number one is, although we are talking about this from an aware parenting perspective, um, we're also talking about it from our own perspective. So not everything we say will be from aware parenting or necessarily in alignment with... Uh, what Alitha the soul to the fan of aware parenting might say. Um, the second thing we wanted to add is, of course, not everything in the crown is factual. Um, some of it's, uh, you know, con- gosh, conjectural. My words are really not flowing today. <laughs> and the other thing you wanted to say, Lael? Oh, is that if you haven't watched the crown and you want to watch it, maybe don't listen to this podcast <laughs> right now because we're going to talk about what happens in it. Uh, so if you still want to watch it and you don't want any spoilers, then perhaps don't listen to this episode and come back to it after. And I love that we're talking about this because we often go, well, what should we talk about this week or what topics? And we have a, you know, we have a list of topics we're going to, um, we're going to cover, but we just both, you know, we were messing each other going, oh, did you see that character? And what about this? And how is that? And for us, you know, I think we both see life through this lens of connection, attachment, feelings, all those kind of things. And so it's such a rich show for an incredible example of what happens when I guess there isn't necessarily strong attachment, when our wounds are what leads our relationships, when there's the pressure to be a certain way. I mean, there's so many powerful themes in this show that turn up in our lives every day as well. And whether it's a Royal family or not, and whether you like the Royals or not, it's not about that. It's just, it's, it's a beautifully made show. I think their production is incredible and the characters are amazing. And yes, they're based on real life characters, but um, you know, I think it gives such beautiful, rich content to explore some of the themes that we often talk about in families and in parenting. So, so we're excited. <laughs> so excited. Do you know what the other thing I was thinking, Lau, when um, I was wandering around the kitchen this morning, was that in a way, the way that they have chosen to portray the characters is actually quite in alignment with, with aware parenting. Because, you know, you often say looking behind the behaviour. I think often the way the scenes unfold, we're really getting an idea of why this person is behaving like that. There is a lot of empathy and compassion, isn't there? Mm. Even for characters that may normally not be seen through a compassionate lens, like we look at Margaret Thatcher, for example, there's really so much about, you know, why this person might be behaving in this way and what were the historical kind of Mm. antecedents of that. So that's another thing I think is so yummy about it. Yes, I agree totally because I I think... I don't know when you, we do the work that we do, Marion, and you are, we're fortunate enough to listen to so many people's stories. You, you just know fundamentally that there is always a reason why we do what we do. We often we're working from protection always of not of keeping ourselves safe and, there is always a reason we talk about why children do what they do, you know, what they're after and getting their needs met, but why adults do what they do too. And I agree with you. I think it's beautiful that they showed a whole lot more behind what drove, you know, these characters to do what they did. So I agree. It was rich, wasn't it? And it was easy to see, I think, where the stories and the patterns lie of why they do what they do. So mm, it was good. All right. Do you want to start at the beginning of your bigger picture? (laughs) And and I think I love this too, because you grew up in England, you grew up in this time, this was all part of your life. So, you know, as a, I'd love to hear more around where that lands for you. Yes. And actually might even start there looking at bigger picture. And I I think, you know, when I started, um, I started 
going to therapy myself when I was 22. So that's 30 years ago. And I actually remember why when I was sitting across from a friend in a, a new age center that we were, we were in together and she was talking about how in this therapy session, she'd seen how her relationship with her boyfriend was actually all related to her relationship with her dad. And I remember thinking, I want to understand myself and my relationships that, that clearly. And it was that the impetus to go and start weekly therapy, although I was already doing a PhD in, in that field anyway. But, you know, for me, the early parts of my kind of self-exploration journey was so much about me and my, my mum and dad, basically. It was all very, like, lens really close up on that. And I find the, the, the further along I go on this journey, the more and more wider my lens gets. So it becomes more and more about, about culture and then history and then really, really big picture history. Like how far can we go back around history and consciousness and psychohistory? And I'm really fascinated about that. So for me, even what I noticed actually watching this latest season, which was 79 to 89 roughly, mm. which I did grow up in England. So I was there. It's like, you know, when we grow up in a, in a culture, it's a bit like a, a fish in a fishbowl or a fish in the sea. We can't really, you know, it's just how, how things are, you know, the family we grow up in as a child, it's just normal. That's just, isn't that just how, you know, how things are. And I think for me looking and seeing now how much um that flavor of that time now, i remember so many of the things that happened at that time the, the minor strike and I remember margaret thatcher coming into power in 79 and our family were very very anti-margaret thatcher she was like a <laughs> um until later on years when i started to actually think about you know why was she the way she was and started to think more more like that so for me like it was a really interesting thing to see this was like the field that I grew up in this kind of culture this country this you know what was going on and you know for me I've often seen growing up in England I really have felt that almost that sense of so many thousand years of oppression and you know whether it was the Romans oppressing the more indigenous people or even before that you know there have been so many so many invasions and people using power over <laughs> people with the crowns on basically using the power over everyone else and there's almost like a palpable feeling that I get from that and it really showed up for me when I was watching some of those um, episodes like the, the Michael Fagan one for example you know my understanding is that you know that conversation didn't really happen like that but again I thought it was a really generous way of looking at rather than you know when I grew up in that culture it was like you know so much judgment about people who didn't have a job for example but actually when we look at historically about you know what has gone on in that country and then how that spread around the world in colonization the really hard conditions for so many people and so I love that that in that episode where he was actually talking about how hard it was and how you know totally understandable wasn't it I was like I could understand being so desperate and so pissed off that and so powerless so much powerlessness in that culture to actually okay, what can I do? Okay, I'll climb and see if I can go, go and talk to someone who appears to have the most power in, in the country. So I don't know whether that resonates at all, but that was, that's one of the really strong things that initially I saw watching mm. it. I think one of the main themes that came up for me particularly was, um, was when they were talking a lot about if you are part of the royal family, this is just how it is. So you have to deny your truth you have to deny what your passion is you have to deny perhaps the person you love you you know it is really about being beholden to this this bigger picture of how this should actually look and that's not too far off from a lot of people and their families still now you know we can feel this pressure from our parents to be a certain way to look a certain way to do a certain job you know that I know is very real for many clients I work with when we look at um, the lack of freedom to be who you need to be because we are all just trying to belong and that pressure from parents of like you have to fit into this circle here because that is safety or that's perceived safety and you know I know that that's something that turns up with a lot of clients I work with but then also something I think that I love around aware parenting is the work that we're doing in holding space for our children to express themselves is really that message of 
we accept and love all parts of you, not just the parts that are good, not just the parts that are happy or joyous or doing the right things, but all the different parts of you because all of you is welcome. And it really made me reflect on just even, um, I didn't feel such pressure to do that in my own family of origin. There were subtle ones, but I definitely felt that in when I was in secondary school. I felt that as I've gotten older, like breaking those shackles of what it should look like or how it should be. And um, I just, I had a lot of empathy for those people in the royal family or even marrying into it of this is now the mask you must put on, you know, for a bigger picture. And, you know, that, that happens in cultures all around the world for sure, because we have this, this perceived sense of safety if we belong to the tribe, if we belong and we're acceptable. But, you know, we know that that is often at the cost of denying the truth of who we really are. And that is, that is a big split for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm so loving what you're saying, Lau. And you know, I often think as well, like from a, this isn't a way of parenting, but a psycho-spiritual lens is that it's excruciatingly painful to not get to have our painful feelings expressed. It's also really painful if we're not getting to express our and follow our meaning and our purpose and what we're called to. So I think, for example, um, Margaret in that really is and increasingly so yes of course all the pain in early years of not getting to marry who she wanted to but it's like that longing for a sense of meaning to be able to make a difference and really having so little leeway and that's what I see you know in so much of the royal family but particularly her and how then all the ways she um, appeared to try to you know need to suppress the pain of that through alcohol and through smoking and all the the ways, the control patterns, the repression, the suppression of when we're actually just not getting to express who we really are to make a difference. These really important things that you know so important for all humans to mm. um, you know to have in our lives. Mm, yes, 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 yes. I I felt a lot of that, and um, and and Matt, and this is probably very real in many other families too. Growing up under your sibling's shadow, on some level, there may you may have a sibling who who is perceived as the golden child or as the one who's clever or more talented or whatever, whatever we make it mean, that that can be a huge story that people carry as well around, well, where do I fit in? Am I enough compared to them? And we see that in all sibling dynamics. There's different roles that each child plays and the perception of what we make it mean around it. Yes, it's fascinating, isn't it? And really, and I found that really interesting of just watching the queen and then her mother and her sister, like they would sometimes come together, but it was still like, as I need some help and some connection, but it was still very, we can't actually really feel into what we're doing. And, um, you know, I, I, it just, it was really fascinating to watch all of that. And then even, you know, when you think about the insights we saw into Margaret Thatcher's family, um, particularly around her twin children and blatantly saying that she has a favorite child. And, and that was fascinating because he was the one that didn't show signs of weakness. And that was very much a huge, strong part of her is that you can't show signs of weakness. So even though she was the first female prime minister, you know, she was so mad masculine and I hate using those terms feminine and masculine masculine but because there's so many different elements to it but mm. she had to be a one of the boys on some level to wield her power you know which again kept her probably disconnected from her heart and her softness and and that compassion and that was a pretty heartbreaking scene when her her daughter just said you know he's your favorite and she basically said yes and this is why and I was like oh she's gonna need some therapy um <laughs> that's painful and even sometimes if we don't say it and you know even again in all families we have children that activate things in us other some of our children are easier to be with than others and again we can create whole stories around what that is so yeah that was fascinating too fascinating and then but again you know when we look at the historical perspective like margaret thatcher she went to oxford university i imagine at that time there's probably very few women uh, i know in the oxford and cambridge very few women women in those days when she would have because she was similar age to the queen i mean that would have been the only way really for her to get on with the, also the Methodist father as well, that would have been what she grew up with time and time again, wasn't it? You know, don't, don't be, don't have feelings, don't be upset. Don't, don't actually be feminine because that's not going to get you anywhere. So, mm. you know, by the time she gets into 
her older years and so entrenched, isn't it? That way of um, way of being. And I think Gillian Anderson portraying that there's that scene, isn't there? When um, is it Jeffrey Howe kind of does the, the whole lynching thing and she comes back and you can almost see, and you can imagine that with Margaret Thatcher to actually express, to cry. I mean, I can imagine how many times would have she actually freely cried in her life and, and what that does to the to the body and to the whole mm. psyche when we're holding in so many feelings over so many years just mm. to actually you know to really fundamentally believe that feelings are weak or you know she called her she called them men didn't she in her cabinet wet wets literally wets if they mm. if they were like at all gentle or mm. compassionate so really just needing to rule all of that out of her her compassion mm. her empathy her feelings I mean, what a powerful impact then that went on to have on the country, you know, really decimating effect on people, unemployment and, uh, you know, terrible stuff. It's very powerful, isn't it? What we could call trauma, what that does or conditioning, cultural conditioning around feelings. It has a really powerful impact on everyone. And I think we, I mean, we see it still today, like women in politics and women who are in positions of power, are still on some level having to do it coming from that place of the masculine. And, and, you know, like even though we have so much more awareness around it now, and even though we are, we are breaking a whole lot of these, these imprinted stories, even around, you know, for men being able to be vulnerable, to cry, to express feelings, all the stuff that we talk about, we still have a very long way to go of, of having, I think even for women to feel being in a place of power where they don't have to lead with the masculine and they can be yes. connected to the center of who they are. And in mm. those examples of being compassionate and being centered and anchored. And, you know, I think, it, you know, that we look at history, which I know you love and we see those huge role models that have happened in time and the pivotal roles they've played. And then the contrast of what perhaps we want it to look like. And, you know, for me, I get excited, even though we think sometimes the world's, a mess which right now it feels like it is but I think the more awareness we have around raising our children and I know we both agree on this that the way we change the world is through the way we raise our children and the more we teach our children to be deeply compassionate and empathetic the more we respond to them in those ways the more that we have a greater chance of changing what is happening in the world and particularly those people in power as well so I, yeah, I, I, I have hope. I'm optimistic, but mm. you can definitely see how, um, how impactful that is, what we're shown and what it should look like. I think and things are changing actually really quickly if you think about it because you know I, we were going to talk a bit about attachment as well, like understanding attachment and there's that scene, isn't there, when um, um, the Queen is talking about when they went to Australia um, for their Australian tour for five months and they just left the children alone for five, you know, for five months. It was just not even thought about. And that was the case in the, in the fifties and, you know, Diana actually taking William or Diana and um, Charles taking William to the, on their Australian tour in 83 or whatever it was. Although actually I was just doing a little bit of reading afterwards now and apparently it said that um, it was the Australian prime minister who suggested it, that she actually was willing to leave him behind. But, you know, in the fifties, in the West, there was only people like um, Bowlby and then Ainsworth. They were only just starting to bring out again, actually the idea of attachment, secure attachment, understand that you know, before that babies and children were routinely, if they needed to be in hospital, routinely left in hospital for weeks or months on end, you know, no, just people thought that children didn't remember and didn't have feelings. And, you know, so it's only just starting to come into the, um, you know, more Western mind, of course, in indigenous cultures, that's stayed intact, you know, attachment, secure attachment as a, you know, foundational basis. You look at any indigenous culture, pretty much it's always, you know, carrying lots of closeness for, for babies. But um, so really look how much has changed since, since 1950. I mean, fundamentally, how much more we understand the attachment needs of children and the, and the, also the decimating effect that has, you know, you think of Charles and his relationships and, you know, how you can really imagine that he really didn't get much closeness and much empathy and being sent away to Gordonstown and being bullied. I imagine he's highly sensitive, you know, just the level of hurt that he experienced and how, you know, I can imagine he would have been so uncomfortable with, 
gentleness and intimacy and expressing feelings. You know, I know my dad was, was born in 1920, you know, really a more the Queen's era, but really just in that era was really very foreign for so many men to actually have any idea about what it was like to actually be in an intimate relationship and actually express anything about mm. what they really felt. And I think the energy it takes to stop yourself from feeling those things is enormous. Like I just think, I mean, we, we can do it now with our repression mechanisms or whatever we do to stop ourselves feeling, but it's, it takes a lot of energy and effort to, to be so disconnected on some level or to become so stoic or to just really not feel, you know, and, and it, you know, I think that our ability to, to shut that down shuts our ability to also experience joy and love and pleasure and intimacy and all those kind of things. So yes, it's a really challenging way to live, I imagine, and one that would be full of pain. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the setup with um, Charles and Diana was like, it's always, it was wasn't it? Destined, storm. For, <laughs> destined for like horrificness, you know, mm. what, what they'd both been through already and she losing her or her mum leaving at six. So I was mm. reading about that, leaving, sitting on the stairs the day her mum left at six and apparently sitting on the stairs day after day after day. And, you know, that deep hurt that she experienced and of course didn't ever get to, cry in loving arms about how painful that was and so you know that combination of that deep attachment hurt and not ever getting to express her feelings about it then no wonder you know as we often talk about when you know we're in situations that are similar to our childhood experiences and then you know it's um, magnified by you know a, a million fold because here she is again in a situation where she's on her own there's there's no warmth and intimacy and connection feelings are you know seen as like the, the most terrible thing in the royal family you know you can only imagine what it would be like to then you know be repeating that almost all over again which is what we do, don't we, as humans, whether we you're do. in the royal family or not, we do the same thing. <laughs> yes. We have those stories that we have from when we're young and then we look, we keep looking for the evidence of why they're real and they keep repeating them and then we, we, keep, um, we keep recreating it until we decide not to or we, we look at how do we shift and change some of these stories and patterns, but we all do it, don't we, because that's, that's what we believe to be true. Yes. And, it, yes. you know, and that's, I guess, where we, I think we love it. We're parenting so much because we are working to help our children move all those feelings and emotions at a young age. So they don't have to carry them into their adulthood. So they don't have to keep repeating those same experiences over and over again. Yes. I often think as well that the, one of the reasons we repeat it is because we're actually also those younger parts of us are really wanting a different experience this time. Mm. So I also think there's always in that is always the, mm. the, the shell of possibility. And that's absolutely what, you know, we both do in our work is really mm. supporting people to not only get to express all the painful feelings of what originally happened, but actually getting to have a different experience this time, whether mm. that's being heard and being honored or being supported to say no, whatever it is but that's you know the profound change that we can make in our lives and that we've both made and that we see the people we work with make that that you know the, the folk in the in the crown didn't really get so much of that kind of thing mm. Yes, it also makes, you know, watching it, I was like, oh, I'm quite happy for a simple life. <laughs> just like, it was just so much pressure and so much being on show, which I'm sure a lot of people feel all the time too. And just, yeah, really incredible insight into how some people have to live on, on, on the contrast of, of what it may look like on the outside of amazing wealth and everything that you want, but also the pressure and the deep sadness that so many of them had you know, and then, of course, on the other end of the spectrum, we have people who have a lot of pain and struggle. And, you know, I think we all have our stories, no matter where we are, where we're born into and what we have. We all have our struggles and stories. It's the human condition, isn't it, really? <laughs> but, you know, perhaps the royal family still with a lot more money and comfort <laughs> at some level. <laughs> but are less allowed to do the work. Yes, really. it's almost like more pressure, more pressure both ends, isn't it? Like, mm. really, both Mm. really i would not want to be in that position for a million years and then of course we've got um harry and megan so it's like we, you know we are seeing this evolutionary thing happen you look at um uh, william and how mm. different he is with his children and mm. how much more you know clearly he has much more capacity to be in a you know a long-term 
clearly apparently really loving relationship so you know each generation there are shifts happening even in cultures which are like trying to cling on <laughs> to not change and that there is you know so much has changed in the last 50 70 years around how we understand feelings and expression of feelings and what happens if feelings don't get to be expressed and what happens if needs don't get to be met and how important attachment is and you know, what children actually need you know it's really things really are changing and i think exponentially so like you i you know, i see there's lots of lots of hope and lots of change because you know like with aware parenting we talk about this don't we like i remember when i was first doing it and there's me and you know, one other person who became an instructor in australia and there's hardly anybody else we were like you go around trying be trying to get persuade anyone please come and, and now how many you know melbourne being the epicenter of aware parenting in the whole world as far as i see it you've got so many people becoming instructors you've got people groups coming out of your ears haven't you Lou? i mean it's mm. just amazing how many mm. how many people there are mm. i just think the consciousness is shifting and that we really are as humans understanding mm. things like well, yeah. things like feelings yeah. understanding mm. children mm. I, I just I, i'm going to share a story I, I didn't tell you this but this just happened yesterday that mm. um really made me think about again those imprints of what we do with our children and where it sits my daughter um who's 12 um, she's in year seven at school and she told me last night she said oh I went to the toilet at, you know during class and there was a girl in there who was much older than me mum maybe she was in year 10 or year 11 and she was sitting you know in the bathroom and she was shaking and she was crying and I said to her are you okay and she's like no not really and and Tali who's much young you know just sat down beside her and said I'll stay with you I'm here and said can I get you a drink and she's like yeah my water bottle's empty so she said mum I went and filled up her water bottle and then I sat beside her and I just said oh my name's Tali and what's your name and do you want to talk about what's happening and literally she just held space for this stranger who she didn't even know at school in the bathroom and she said, oh, I just stayed with her for 10 minutes. And then she kind of calmed down and she stopped shaking. And I said, you know, do you feel okay to go back to class now? And she said, yeah. And then they left. And so Tali's just telling me the story. And I'm like going, oh, my God, there's no way I would have done that at 12. Like I would have just looked and probably been horrified or, I don't know, judgy or whatever and just left, right? And I said, darling, that was amazing. And she said, well, if that was me, I, I would want someone to talk to someone to help me like you know and I just I just sat there listening to her going okay this stuff is really good <laughs> because <laughs> look at that ability to have empathy and compassion no matter who it is and um I just was like really moved by that story because I just oh. thought wow um that's in your cells and your bones of what it feels like to be compassionate, to have empathy, to hold space, to see someone in need and say, how can I help you? Like it, she was almost just like, how could you, she was saying to me, mom, how can you turn your back on someone? How could you just not when someone's like that? And, and I just was like, Oh, darling, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and it does make me think about that too, of just, you know, what we are changing and what has happened through time and, and how we, we can do better and we are doing better and, and the impact of what this is to create changes and shifts in the world. And I, and, you know, for me, watching the crown was magnificent. Just, I just loved the production, the show of it, but also the contrast of what we do want and seeing where it comes from. And I just, I watched the whole thing just thinking, my goodness, there's so many archetypes and themes in here that so many people would um, relate to that. There would be themes in their own families that have popped up and, and, and that big piece too around, you know, this pressure to fit in and be a certain way in order to, um, to belong to the family, you know, because that is often what we are told that we have to do and be. And that is such a struggle for so many. Oh, I'm so touched hearing that story about her. Isn't that amazing? And what you said as well, something about, you know, that this is someone who's years, like three years older than her, something like that, to yeah. something as well about you said, like who, whoever they are. It's like I think as well, I think as we increasingly have capacity to see through that compassionate lens for people who are also like older or in power or, you know, perhaps, you know, a boss or whatever it is. And to actually, and of course that doesn't mean, you know, we also really 
stand for no's and actually saying no to behavior we're not willing to to um, put up with but to actually have that lens of compassion to be able to meet someone whatever um relationship we're in with them it's just so profound i love that mm, mm, yeah it was beautiful it really touched me it's just sat with me all day and then it was driving out of school going tell me again what happened <laughs> and she was telling me like she's looking at me like it's no big deal i'm like yes it is <laughs> It's like, wow, you know, I just get blown away sometimes with the, um, what it must be like to have those different experiences, I guess, than what we did yes. as children and for that to just feel normal, for that to be just the standard. And that that is, um, yeah, it's it's extraordinary. You know, yeah, it feels amazing. I mean, there's plenty of shit in there as well. I always feel like I need to say this. I just don't want people to think, oh, it just all sounds perfect. It's so not, right? There is just, you know. It's most of the time it is wonderful, though. Well, it is wonderful. But as a beautiful, gorgeous t- tween that she is, she did walk past my room the other day and just, you know, give me the bird, like flipped her finger at me because she was mad and I just kind of went, oh, something going on there. So just to keep it real for everybody, I still get Get beautiful teenage angst <laughs> so yeah it's beautiful oh, mm. so anything cool. else in that in the crown in this season that really stood out for you as well then marion um well i did want to say a couple more things i wanted to say a bit about colonization you now i go on about it all the time began just really seeing this is kind of a bigger picture thing you know what happened what happens in England and has happened with the crown, with the um, aristocracy, with all of that has then did get the, the traumatic elements of that did get spread around the world to India and to South Africa and to America and to Australia. So, so much of this, uh, and I think there's probably, I'm wondering that's part of why this is so it speaks to so many people, even people who are like really anti monarchist is because these themes that, that this family are working with have like, been around for a long time and got carried around the world in really painful ways and I think I think that's why it probably speaks to so many people like even now you know when I look at what the things they're saying as well like oh you know we'll we'll just call you the Prince of Wales you know like what happened to the Welsh people in the Welsh language and you know we have Balmoral Castle in Scotland you know, what happened to the Scottish people and just like really seeing it from that big picture lens and I, again for me I find it really helpful to understand that these things that we are talking about now and that are really are changing have, have not just been things that have been passed down by our parents, but they have been going ar- along for generations upon generations. And that the healing we do in our own uh, internal landscape that is part of parenting, part and parcel of parenting that our children invite us to, to attend to day after day after day are not just about being able to respond more compassionately to our child if they're having a tantrum, they're not only about you know us healing and changing and becoming more free to actually be who we really are, but they're actually really creating so many shifts and ripples you know, up the up that way you know, back into history and prehistory because this stuff's been going on for so long. This kind of stuff, really. Yes, and if you think about things like epigenetics, which is you know yes. the the passing on in our cells and the yes. generations of the stories that are carried through, whether it's trauma or grief or yes. like you, there's evidence of that everywhere that you can yeah. see. And and I love to remind parents because that's what it reminds me of is that you know when we are trying to parent with consciousness or a different awareness, it is challenging, particularly because it, if it was never shown to us, but also we have got generations behind us of what we are undoing on some level or shifting or changing which is why it is often really really challenging to bring a whole new perspective and awareness to it yes it's so normal and natural it'd be like weird if it wasn't so oh i'm just you know there's 20 generations of this this pattern i'm just gonna and i think often people come to where parenting and i know i did i don't know about you Lau, it's like you know i'm just gonna do this completely differently <laughs> like straight away and it's gonna be really easy and then <laughs> I wonder if this isn't and and with all the doing all the work still repeating things but of course because this is this is inevitably going to be hard and it's amazing that we change anything really mm. so it's why we always come back to like it? celebrating mm. we're doing if we're doing you know celebrate all that we're doing to to create changes in our families and relationships because yes. these are old 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 themes 
Totally. And, and the, you know, why we always talk about compassion too for ourselves of of how hard it is shifting the story and the way that it's been for a long time. Yeah. It's profound, isn't it? Very profound. Mm, Yeah. Mm, Good. Mm. Good, Okay. And the other thing I thought we, we, I mean, we want to um, preface again with around talking about um, Diana and bulimia that neither of us are experts in that field at all. I think it so needs to be, um, we probably need to speak it a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, all the many, many ways that people in this culture um, try to actually get through really traumatic and painful experiences. And, and I thought it was really interesting that they, um, there was a lot of, clearly a lot of awareness around the scenes that they used and, and like a warning in, before each episode. And, you know, so a lot of, um, seems to me a lot of care went into those scenes that they, that they put in around you know, how, how she was. I think so important to actually really understand the many, many ways that um, we as humans have for dealing with ex- intense um, pain that is not, you know, uh, not getting to be expressed any other way. There's no support, no understanding, deep loneliness, you know, t- to me, what the position she was in coming from that, um, being separated from her mother at six and being in that in that family in Buckingham Palace for example just on her own um and with no you know so little connection all these basic human needs that we have for connection for support for empathy for getting to express you know such a huge thing that she was going through you know all of these core basic needs that we all have that it's so normal and natural that we you know we do whatever we can to to try to bear the pain Mm. positions where there's no emotional support Mm. and you know of course we talk about these as you know control patterns or repression mechanisms which are when we don't want to feel something so we can binge eat you know we can also the opposite way is trying to control what we do put in our mouths and sometimes these are what we see with kitties you know when they don't want to eat stuff if they're feeling often really powerless and you know controlling what they can eat um, is one thing they can do, you know, so, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense, isn't it? Of, of just trying to fill yourself up with food all the time and then perhaps moving to a place of shame or self judgment or loathing or those feelings in purging it all out and keep buying into that story of, you know, of not being enough, not being okay. And then that cycle that continues with that. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really big, big theme so big isn't it and again it makes complete sense isn't it i imagine the deep emptiness you would have felt so food food to try and fill the 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 loss the emptiness the the pain that she was experiencing in the here and now as well as from her past and you know eating eating all of these things that are control patterns they are kind of mild forms of dissociation there are ways that we either distract ourselves onto something else so we don't feel the pain or we literally dissociate so we don't feel the pain you know but there there are so many ways that humans have to actually do that and Mm. yeah and again that another colonized thing is judgment shaming all of those ways that we've learned in this culture rather than you know deep self-compassion so i can imagine that she would have gone through those cycles so many times and being in that position as well of so much um scrutiny and pictures taken of her everywhere and what her body looked like i mean that on top of it all just Mm. only even imagine what it would have been like for her what she went through Mm. and if you know if you're listening to this and you're wondering about repression mechanisms or control patterns or what they are and how you can work with them we do have a podcast on this that we explore that more that you can go and have a listen to um just bringing the awareness to it of why we're doing what we're doing and some beautiful insights into how you work with that and how we can um be compassionate with ourselves and shift that but it comes back to what we talk about all the time of having support someone to listen a safe space for you to offload those feelings to bringing some gentleness and compassion to where we are not the judgment um but yes it's it's big isn't it so big so yeah big. so much compa- i feel just you know my heart for all of them i was just like oh god i want to hug you all because <laughs> you all need a hug and there's so much pressure there and you just want to be free and you know i just it, it just my heart felt for all of them 
all of these characters of what they've had to, yeah, the life that they've had, which again is all humans. You know, yes, we all yes, have this yes. on some level, whether we're famous or not, it doesn't matter. We all have these similar themes and stories. And, and I know for both of us, it comes back to that deep compassion for humans because we're human and we're living a human existence and yes. there is that pain there. And, you know, I love that, you know, we're very quick to judge sometimes, but if we actually knew everybody's story, we would have no judgment. Like behind every story, every, you know, bit of bravado, every bit of, you know, front that people put on, there is a story of protection going on. And um, I think it's always good to remember that, isn't there? There is always something behind why we do what we do. Yeah, and I, I, I'm always so grateful for the people in my life who I've perhaps have been challenged with because of my, God, they do my head in or this or that. Um, they have been my most divine teachers to help me see what it is in hearing more about their life or why I'm responding the way I am to allow me to have so much more compassion and own my piece in that picture of why I have the reaction I do. And, you know, I, again, I just think we all have a story. Yes, and I think if we were to, for me, if I had to put my my feet in the shoes of any of those people, I think it's so helpful to do, isn't it? Would I have would I have done anything differently? Probably, possibly not. You know, so much is a result of our, you know, what we experience and the time that we grow up in, the culture we grow up in, the family we grow up in, what we, you know, what we experience. Like such a contrast. I love that you shared that story about Tali because, you know, if we if, if we've never had anyone just sit with us and and be really comfortable with our grief and our loss and our rage and our frustration and our fear whatever it is how can we ever be comfortable with that in our bodies it's you know, we we always need to experience that before we can actually start to feel comfortable with actually feeling the real physiological sensations of a feeling in our body and to express them and to know that's a wonderful thing about where parenting isn't it that when you know, when a child is having a really big cry and, and a parent's there with them, loving them and feeling relaxed in their bodies and trusting that this is, you know, these are this is so normal and natural and beautiful and that the child comes out the other side feeling relaxed and relieved and being able to see clearly and wanting to contribute and feeling relaxed enough to sleep and all of those things. Unless we've actually been through that experience, it's very, very hard to to know that it's even safe to feel a feeling, isn't it? It's, it would, it's, it's terrifying until we've actually experienced that. And the wonderful thing is that it's, that it's never too late to actually start this process. You know, me starting therapy at 22, you know, I didn't really have any capacity to be with a feeling until I actually started getting support and someone listening to my feelings week after week after week. And we, we always need to have another human being who can listen to our feelings so we gradually internalize that so we can that listen to our children in those ways so that they actually grow up feeling comfortable with those sensations in their bodies and deeply trusting mm. that feelings are our friends feelings are helpful amazing things and you know whether it's we're shaking after something shocking or we're crying after we've had a really overwhelming day or we're raging in you know without ever without hurting people that these are amazing things that we're all born with and you know just this this uh, western culture has got very very it's a long long time ago got very um uncomfortable with with the body and with feelings and you know seen it as evil and and devilish and actually what we're doing is reclaiming back that beautiful natural beauty of mm. our bodies and our feelings and mm. the wondrousness of human beings mm -hmm. and natural yep. aware loving natures mm. you said it beautifully so beautifully yes what a gift the the crown has been then <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's been, you know, if if you are listening and you haven't watched it, I highly recommend going and watching now. Mm, yeah, start but, with um, season one though. If you haven't, yeah, yeah, you can work your way up. Yes, <laughs> and it's beautiful. I mean, we we, we our discussion on this. Um, we've talked about how 
it is really wonderful to have um, what's happening in the world as a place to talk about, to have some commentary around, to look at it through a different lens and what we're seeing going on. So we may do more of these in the future. If there's something you think we should watch and then you want us to hear us talk about it, we'll happily do it. I just don't do violence. Though. I was going to say, as violence, long as it's not really scary and, and as long as it's not violent. So from that, that's which cuts out 97%. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like, it does, yeah, but is it is it lovely? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Give us something emotional and deep. It's all about feeling. I love it. Yeah. Did you want to say anything about archetypes as well, Lael? Before we finish up, uh, I just I think you know I I'm, I'm my beautiful mother has done a lot of work on archetypes over the years, and she talks about how we all play different archetypes in our lives, and you know the. The crown has so many magnificent archetypes in it of of people playing out different roles in the shadow and in the light, you know. So all archetypes has, have, you know, a I guess not so much a negative component to it, but a part where we're not living it to its fullest component and actually kind of works against us. And then there's parts where we can own that and it works with us. So, for example, you could be something like the archetype of the scholar, for example, who may on, on according to my mum, what she would call a tribal level, which would be somewhere where um, you just spend most of your life, your life learning. So you're actually too scared to take what you learn out into the world. So you spend all your time in with books and, and learning. Um, but then on the symbolic level of that archetype, you actually take your knowledge out into the world and you're willing to share it. So each archetype has different levels and different parts we play out in it. And I think the crown has got some amazing archetypes in there of um, the different parts that we all play as humans but they're really highlighted in that show so yeah it's it's interesting my mum has amazing work on archetypes if she's got a book on it called archetypes made easy if you want to do some reading you can go and check it out what's her name Um, lael you want to say her, her name? name's Barbara Barbara Stone, um, or maybe she uses her name Barbara Andrews. I don't know. Um, if it is called Archetypes Made Easy, it's a great book, and it's really about the archetypes we play and how we all do it, and the ones that we often identify with, and where perhaps they're working for us in that the shadow part of us, not so much in in the light. So, and I think just that that show just creates so many wonderful archetypes and characters of pieces that we play. You know, and particularly the child archetype, which is one that we all have and we're very familiar with, which is when the child part of us turns up where we haven't got our needs met. And that's when we can be in quite a victim consciousness. It's where we can, things are not fair. People are doing stuff to us. And really it's that child's needing loving and listening and holding. And then when the child, you know, is working at a symbolic level, it's able to take ownership of its life. They're able to, you know, to ask for what they need, all those kind of elements. So yeah, there's some beautiful stuff within it. Oh, I love hearing you speak, Lyle. So yummy. You can, can really hear that that was part of your, um, you know, you've learned, received so much from your mum in her mm. passion around that. Mm. And, and you know, I'm also thinking then if we think about the crown, we think about the archetypes around the feminine. I, we could go into the masculine as well. But like if we think about the queen, the queen archetype, how amazing would it be to have a queen archetype who's both powerful but also um, mm. authentic and mm. deeply in her uh, um, compassion and, and mm. freely able in the culture. Because yes. really, isn't it in the, in the culture to actually be powerful mm. and loving? Mm-hmm. And if we think again about the, the archetype of the leader, like Margaret mm. Thatcher holding that to be a woman who is powerful mm. and deeply compassionate. Mm. And maybe Diana would be like, I suppose the, she's the princess archetype, mm. isn't she? Mm. And actually interesting because Diana is the, is the hunter mythologically. Mm. So I always thought that was an interesting kind of thing mm. that she became the hunted. Mm. But I don't know, like a princess that isn't there to, you know, she, she, it's all the fairy tales, isn't it? She was mm-hmm. wanting to be saved by the prince. The prince mm. didn't save her at all, mm. did the opposite. So yes. what would, what would be like the full archetype of the prince? Well, I think the princess, if we look at it, that, that you're exactly right on that tribal level, it's about someone save me and I'm helpless. And, and then the embodied version of that, the symbolic is that she saves herself, that she realizes oh. that she's, <laughs> she is enough, that she is able to save herself to then step into being the queen, you know, oh bodied way so yeah i've got full body tingles mm. which in we could say diana did start to do in her life didn't she she really mm. claims that her power mm. as a woman mm. in in many ways 
Wow. Mm. Wow. Anyway, it's juicy, isn't it? Juicy, mm. juicy. All right. I'm also going, oh, I want to now go away and have a think about the what the male archetypes are, like mm. the king, the king, but who doesn't have any real power in a way. Mm-hmm. The prince. I don't know. Do you do you, you might not feel called to, but I'm already feeling really intrigued to go, wow. Mm. Maybe we should get my mum to come and talk about it. She's got so much to say. Oh, she would love to. Interesting. Oh my god, she's such. She, you could talk about all. Yeah, she's got so much to share around this. So maybe I'll ask her. We can do that. I'm just going to interview my whole family. Yeah, why don't we have them all come on? That's so good. Because I'm already going. Oh, because Philip, you know, had the thing around not having power, and then um, Charles is, you know, still not king, and. Maggie Thatcher's husband, you know, very happy mm-hmm. to be following in her shadow. Very interesting, mm-hmm. all the different masculine um, mm-hmm. characters in that, isn't it? Yes, it is, isn't it? Wow. Mm, good stuff. All right. <laughs> so, well, I guess... I want to keep talking. I can tell you want to stop. And I'm like, can we keep talking? I will, I will stop talking. <gasps> oh, we'll do part two. We'll bring in another, we'll bring in another element of we'll it. We'll come back when series five is, um, season uh, five is finished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we love to finish off with an offering around what we're talking about. So, you know, maybe go and watch The Crown if you haven't watched it. But um, have you got an offering around some of these themes or stuff? What do you think? Um, my, um, for feelings, I have, I'm actually making some, um, what are they called? Masterclasses. They're not available yeah, yeah, yet, but I'm doing mm. lots of little mini masterclasses. So they'll mm. be on different topics like feelings and control patterns and Mm -hmm. understanding the sources of behavior and all of that stuff. So keep an eye out. They'll be coming out soon. Yes. What about you, Lael? What's, what's going on in the world? Well, couples course. Yes, we have couples course, which is out and and amazing and beautiful feedback coming from people who are looking at, you know, how that looks in their family and working as a couple together. And so that's really beautiful. So that's exciting. And um, I'm just about to finish off, you know, these beautiful immersions I do for eight weeks and we're, we're almost at the end of it. And wow, it's really extraordinary and powerful. So I'm going to take a break for a while, but in the new year um, we'll be doing another one. So that's really amazing to journey with lots of different parents over, you know, eight weeks and going into some deep stuff. So that's very exciting. Yeah, it's great. Yes. So, and we, we've decided, you know, for next year, we're going to do have a few little different series, aren't we, Marion, with our podcast. We're going to talk about some of the aware parenting topics, but then we want to do some social commentary on stuff that's happening in the world like we're doing today. We're going to do some Q&As as well. So we're going to open it up a little bit more to um, different, you know, topics and versions. So we're excited about that. So if there is something you would love us to explore or talk about, then please send us a message on Instagram or Facebook and um, yeah, we'll, we'll add it to our list. Mm. yum i'm excited it's good it's good all right beautiful oh do you know what the the um you know we were talking about shows that we can talk about yes um and i love the actors in this and i love jillian um uh, um, Anderson. Anderson and yes. you know we were talking about she does a show called Sex Education as well which is so fantastic it's oh, one of my amazing. most favourite shows yeah, like, maybe we should do a talk on that yeah, yes. we'll bring that oh, I thought you were about to say that there's a third season coming oh, there is there is. is there yes is there soon yes yes. Say, yes how could you do that to me how could you how could there you is. I'm gonna, we need to go back to the disappointment one there's really one coming yeah there's there? one coming oh, yeah yeah, yeah. They're, they're filming it. it yeah let's yeah, do one on so, that yeah that's so great isn't it so yeah. many people say that that's a bit like you as well, don't they? You get oh, yeah. My daughter always says to me that's the mother. She plays the mother in that. She's like, "Mum, that's you." Uh, anyway, it's gorgeous. It's fun. Anyway, thank you everyone for being here. Thank you. That was so fun, Marianne. So we got to talk about loving things that we love, television shows and feelings. It's awesome. So how wonderful! Great. Mm. Thank you mm. so much for listening, everyone, and so much love to you for however that was for you and whatever mm. feelings you have. And um, yeah, big. Big squishy love. Mm, Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey. 